Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? (laughs) Aren't you glad that... uh, I know sometimes it's easy to just go about your daily life, but did you actually look out the windows today? Like, instead of just getting focused on the road, like, look at all this snow that we're having. Are you guys enjoying it? Man, I love it. I do. All y'all are like, no, let's get get on with it. But that's one thing that we love about Maine. So I'm Garrett Gilday. This is my wife, Alicia. We are part of Mountain Gateway. And uh, Mountain Gateway's purpose is to recruit, train, place, and pastor ministers to go all over the world. And all this, the cohort that's here, all the students that are here have left their normal lives and have dedicated and committed this, really this year, to learning and growing and walking out whatever calling God has for them. And um, this month, we've been here just about a month, PQ has been teaching on sonship and identity and calling. And then this last week really has been focused on sermon prep, like how do you, how do you write a sermon how do you give it? And we've been critiquing, you know, the painful standing in front of people and sharing what you have and then getting critiqued. And, you know, everybody loves that, right? So, uh, so today we get the honor of hearing from, from these folks. Then after most everybody is leaving directly after this service, headed back to Texas. And then after that, they're headed from there to Mexico. So to Texas, regroup, retool, repack, and then headed to Mexico. Spend about a month there. So I want to introduce the speakers this morning. We have Laurel here on the far left. Um, she'll be starting us off. Sarah, her husband Dustin, Joy Lynn, and Joy. We got two double Joy this morning. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so without further ado, let me pass it off to Laurel. Thanks, Garrett. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, On behalf of the entire Mountain Gateway team, uh, we want you all to know it really is a privilege and an honor to be speaking with you today. And we also want to honor Pastor Quinn for his dedication this past month in teaching us and helping us grow. And we, of course, appreciate you all for um, allowing us to have this dedicated time with your pastor. So knowing that we were going to have the opportunity to share with you this morning, we spent this past week in prayer and in preparation And we really felt in in prayer that um, the Lord wanted to share on the topic of genuine love. So to begin, I would like for us to read this short passage of scripture out of Romans 12, starting in verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. 
Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. So for the sake of context in this passage, we know that the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to the church in Rome. And through this letter, he really was teaching them how they should treat one another and how to live in biblical community. And as you can see, there's a lot of things that you could pull from this passage, but we really wanted to look at it through the lens of genuine love. According to Webster's Dictionary, the word genuine means to be sincere, free from hypocrisy. I think we can all agree that genuine love can be expressed in many different ways, but today from this particular passage of scripture, we really wanted to focus and highlight on three different ways. We wanted to focus on honor. So everybody say honor. honor. We wanted to focus on forgiveness. Everyone say forgiveness. forgiveness. And lastly, we want to focus on compassion. Everyone say compassion. compassion. We really believe that if honor forgiveness and compassion are done consistently, they reveal the genuine love that God intends for us to walk in. And it's also important for us to remember that without God's help, specifically without his grace, it's impossible for us to live this way. So let's begin by discussing how genuine love is expressed through honor. Hey, you guys. Um, so I'm going to start by talking about honor, and I want to go back to that second verse in that Romans 12. Um, so it's verse 10. It says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So as I begin to unpack this idea of honor, this is one of those things that the Lord and I have wrestled with. <laughs> I was that child who really wanted to do well and, you know, I was that little girl who tried to memorize the Ten Commandments and live by them. And the one that I struggled with the most was honor your father and mother. Um, and I think that that came from a place of just the tension that automatically happens in a relationship between a child and their parents. You know, as you grow older and you begin, you begin to become more independent and you, you kind of come into yourself more it really does create that tension between your parents because they think they know best and, I, you know, I've got your best at heart and you're supposed to just be okay with that. But I really struggled with that growing up. I was the oldest and, um, again, I wanted to do really well by them, but that was an area where there was tension. And from that, I also realized as I began to get older that it, it affected other relationships. And so I think that there are three types of relationships, and I'm sure all of you can agree that these three relationships exist in your life, but the first is the people that you love, that you just get along with super well, and then there are the people that you love, but again, there's that tension, and your relationship might not be, oh, for lack of a better word, like easygoing. There's tension there. You love them, but oh, it's a little bit challenging. And then the third group of people is simply the people that you acknowledge, but you're like, eh, I don't, eh, I'm good. You know, I don't really care. There's not like this love going on inside of me. The reality is, is that I think the Lord sets us up in honoring our parents to teach us how to honor and so I want to kind of dive into that idea a little bit and start by um, understanding where honor originates. And it originates in God. So I want to look at the verse, Revelation 4, 11, um, And I'm actually going to read it backwards to you because I believe the second 
sentence kind of sets it up. But it says, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. So right here, it's telling us that God is not only the creator, but what he created, he was extremely happy with. So now we go back to that, the first part that says, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. So here it's unpacking that idea that we honor God as our creator. And in the same way, we see in Genesis 1.27, which I know all of you are familiar with this scripture, but it says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And I don't know if you know this, but when you see the number three, because that it's said three times, if you see the number three in the Bible, it gives us this idea of divine wholeness and perfection. And I tell you that to show you how important it is to God that we see ourselves as his children. So how much more so should we see others in that light? So now that we know whose we are, now we can look into this idea of honoring others. So once we know whose we are, then we need to understand its impact on the who versus the what. So when we came into Mountain Gateway, this is something that they hit really hard right from the get-go. And it's that idea of the who versus the what, because it's important to them that we don't place our identity in what we do, but who we are. And the same applies when you are offering honor to other people. So um, 1 Peter 2.17, and I love how it says it in the Passion Translation. It says, recognize the value of, say it with me, every person and continually show love to every believer. And so I go back to that little girl who was wrestling with this idea of honor thinking that, oh, it meant obedience, or oh, it meant, like, oh, because you're an authority, I have to follow you, when really, God is simply asking us to value other people. Honor is value. And we also have to realize that where tension exists, we need to remember that there is an enemy out there who's trying to divide and destroy relationships. It's, and we know this from Ephesians 6, 12, that says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I love how it says in the Passion Translation, Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings. The enemy comes to still kill and destroy. He comes to rid our lives of the things that God always intended for good. And even though those relationships that cause tension in our life might not feel good, they exist to make us better and to draw us closer to our creator. So I really want to leave you with this idea that God wants us to know who people are through his eyes so that we can love them genuinely. If we decide to walk in honor, then loving people is a byproduct because we value them.
So once we're able to truly value and therefore honor others as God's people, then we're able to walk through forgiveness, which can fully restore those broken relationships, those areas in our lives where, again, that tension exists, like the ones that I mentioned earlier. So now I'm going to invite my sweet husband (laughs) to share with you about that. How are you all doing today? So good to be up here. So I'm going to unpack forgiveness, and I know that everybody in this room, y'all are all good. Y'all have, y'all forgiven everybody, and everybody's forgiven you, and I'm the only one that deals with it, right? (laughs) As my wife just said, we learn to value others, and in that valuing and valuing ourselves and honoring, it also is going to lead us into forgiveness, and forgiving the ones that have harmed us, but then also we have to go ask for forgiveness. And that's not the most easy thing to do. And I can say from experience, I've, I know times that I've stepped in and I've hurt my parents and I've had to ask for forgiveness and they've forgiven me, but then something doesn't settle sometimes. Even though I've been forgiven, I still fight like this condemning spirit that I put on myself which isn't healthy, but I have to, that's one of those things that I feel we have to work on. But then at the same time, if somebody hurts us, we need to be open to forgive. And in speaking on forgiveness, it reminds me of like an onion. Yes, I said an onion, because onions have layers. And as you peel back those layers, you can find that first layer like, oh, I've you know, I've, I've handled that. I have forgiven them. But then you peel back another one. It's like, oh, wait. That one hit a little bit deeper. Maybe that's not really resolved in me. And then when I was speaking on that condemnation, if you just leave an onion around, it's going to end up rotting. And so it can cause that issue and it can't be used how it's supposed to. That leads me into another question. Who here has ever peeled, cut, or chopped an onion and then got all teary-eyed in the process? Okay, we got a lot more cooks in this service than I did the last service. <laughs> a lot more of y'all understand that. In that process, I believe it's just like forgiveness. There's going to be tears shed when you have to step up to the plate and be like, hey, it hurt but I forgive you. Hey, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me for what I just did? But then that also is causing that irritation. It's just like your eyes are when you get irritated. It's that irritation on the inside because it's uncomfortable. It's not the easiest thing to do. But we are called to be like Christ. And I'd like to read from Ephesians 4.30 to 32, and Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. 
Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled of love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, forgiving us that sacrifice. And this last part, it was a pleasing aroma to God. So I want to dive back to that onion real quick. If it's done properly, if it's peeled, it's chopped, and it's put in dishes, it's been put in a stew, it's been put in a casserole, it's been put... What happens when you start cooking that and everything's done right? Like you value others, you forgive them. Then there's aroma in the house. You walk in, oh, that smells good. That smells good. How much more do you think when we walk in obedience as Christ did, it creates the pleasant aroma to God? My children, yeah, they're following my my guidelines. They're following what my son did for them. I love them, and they're starting to show me that they love others. It's a pleasing aroma. So with that, once we have come to a place of forgiveness, it opens up the opportunity for compassion toward others as we've never known before. And for a deeper understanding of compassion, which is followed by value, honoring, and forgiveness, I'd like to invite my wonderful friend, Ms. Joy Lynn up to share on compassion. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning on this beautiful main day. I just want y'all to know I don't like the cold. (laughs) Bless y'all that live up here in Maine. Bless y'all. I just want to share a little story. Uh, One night, I was about halfway home, and suddenly I had uh, some car trouble. It was a cold, dark, and windy night. And I know y'all can appreciate that up here in Maine. Maybe stuck on the side of the road and it's windy and it's cold and it's dark. I had my three small children in the car. To make a long story short, I did not have roadside assistance. So I had no idea what I was going to do. Thankfully, a state trooper saw me and he saw my blinking lights and he stopped to assist. And he called me a tow service. Well, when the tow arrived, I told the tow driver I had absolutely no money, but I was just trying to get home. That man looked at me with eyes of compassion, me and my three small children, and he helped me get back on the road, and he gave me money to get home. I promised that man, I will repay you, and he said, don't worry about it. He just wanted me to get home safely with my three children. This is just one act of compassion that I've experienced in my own life. So what is compassion? We're defining it today as to recognize the suffering of others and be moved to action or to help. Therefore, it is easy to see that compassion is grounded in love. When we have compassion towards someone or towards others, we feel sympathy, We feel empathy, sometimes we feel pity, sometimes it's just mercy. I think a lot of times we are moved to compassion because we can identify with a person or their situation. In the past, we may have struggled through a similar situation or a problem, 
And that allows us to have some wisdom, some knowledge, some life experience that could be helpful to them to help relieve that suffering. Or maybe God has blessed us with resources that we have available that we can offer them some assistance. The truth is, every one of us has the capacity, has the capacity to respond to another person's suffering because the word tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, and because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through his Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And I just want to emphasize in this scripture that God, our Father, pours out his love into us through his Holy Spirit. So that gives us the capacity to move in compassion. So let's be completely honest. We can't do it on ourselves, on our own. We can't do it within ourselves. We do need the help of the Holy Spirit to move with eyes of compassion, just like Jesus did. And on that note, I'm reminded of a scripture from Matthew chapter 23. And Jesus was looking out on the people. And he said in this scripture, how often I wanted to gather your children as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Jesus looked out on the crowd of people with compassion. And even though he was speaking about Jerusalem in this scripture, I believe today that that is still God's heart for the world. As we all know, Jesus did not stop having these feelings of compassion, but he consistently expressed genuine love through acts of compassion. So throughout the Gospels, we find accounts of Jesus being moved with compassion and performing miracles. For example, diseased, blind, and disabled people were healed. People were set free from demons. Hungry people were fed. Devalued women were valued. And dead people were raised to life. Jesus' compassion was consistent. And it did not depend on the response of the person who was receiving that compassion. His compassion was founded in genuine love. So let me emphasize to you that our compassion that we express towards others has to be rooted and grounded in love, and it cannot depend on their response or who that person is. Compassionate acts must be founded in love. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that without love, we are nothing, and there is no profit in anything that we do. Did y'all hear that? Without love, we are nothing. If we don't do things from a place of love, of genuine love, they don't count for anything. So our action in love must be unconditional. After all, that's what Jesus did. So what does this mean for us? Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Emphasis. We are God's chosen. We are dearly loved. We are holy. And we are to clothe ourselves with compassion. So what does that look like for us? First, it looks like us using the love that God has poured out in us 
okay, through his Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to help us to see people with eyes of compassion, and then being moved to acts of compassion. So, for example, that might be a parent. Lots of y'all are parents, or maybe even grandparents in here, and you got your little children. You might be at the grocery store, and you're trying to get the children and the kids in the car, right? You're trying to pack up the car, but it's not working very well. The kids aren't cooperating. You can't get your keys out your pocket. You're trying to keep one contained. The other one's going the other way, whatever it is. But someone looks over to you, and they offer to help you. So if you see somebody in that situation, you can offer compassion and try to help them. Offer your assistance. How about if you know that a family has had a um, loss due to a fire or some just something just major happens, right? We all have major things happen in our lives. But you can take that as an opportunity to help that family, either by providing clothing, maybe offering to feed them, if appropriate, maybe offering shelter temporarily till they can find themselves a place, or simply helping them to get connected to community resources. Those are ways to help people, acts of compassion. And you know, it seems like it's so much easier to help people we don't know. But what about people we do know? And as Sarah was talking about earlier, she was talking about what about those relationships that are a little rough? You got some tension going on. You know, you might not like them and they might not like you. But the Lord moves you because you carry the love of God and he looks out and he says, oh, this person needs to know my love. So you're moved to compassion. Are you able to do that? Will you cooperate with the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life to minister to that person? Because we are vessels of his love and we're to pour his love out to those around us. You may be the only Christ that that person will ever meet. And you never know how you're going to impact somebody's life. I don't know who that's for, but I feel like the Lord is dealing with somebody right now. Okay, so, again, I believe in those type of scenarios, even if it's a strained relationship or maybe it's somebody you don't particularly care for, you can still offer compassion. We have this example through Jesus. We see it throughout Scripture. And through genuine love, that moves us to compassion, that makes no demands on others, right? When we have acts of compassion, you got to be prepared. Sometimes people don't want your help. They have a choice. We all have a choice to receive it or not to receive it. Didn't Jesus give us the choice to receive him or not receive him? So we have to give everybody that same choice. So just be aware of that. But we don't make demands on people. It's not qualified by them. It's through his love for other people. So let's move in honor, let's forgive, and let's be compassionate towards others because he's been compassionate towards us. Honor, forgiveness, and compassion. There are fewer words that, as we've seen today, when paired together, create the weight that these ones do. Notice that all of these are action words. They require a large amount of intentionality and consistency. And when all of these things are done consistently, they reveal genuine love. Love comes from the heart. And just like the two arteries of your physical heart must work together for life to happen, 
So must we consistently work from a place of wholeness in these three areas for genuine love to overflow. John 13, 34 and 35 from the Passion Translation says, So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. These pieces reveal the confines of your heart, whether good or bad. If there is a blockage in an artery of your physical heart, it cannot function properly. And just as this is, if there's something that's not aligning here and what the Lord is asking of us in genuine love, there's something happening there. There's a blockage. If you feel stuck on the brink of breakthrough, but there's a wall in front of you, sometimes it's because you haven't forgiven the person that we need to forgive. Sometimes it's because we haven't shown the level of compassion that the Lord is asking us to, or we haven't honored the people that we have forgiven. I could come up with a charge that I think is so amazing and is going to really light a fire under every single one of us. But truly nothing compares to the passage that Laurel read at the beginning of this in Romans 12. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. More than likely, Every person in this room has done those three things or done the things that are said in this verse. I remember friends coming up to me when my grandfather passed away who did weep with me, and it was the hardest thing that I've ever experienced, but it was good. It was what the Lord asked of it. But the important thing that we want to drive home with all of this is the need for consistency. We must be willing to express our love in action every day through honor, forgiveness, and compassion which then creates the basis for biblical community. Your wonderful pastor once said, God desires for his people to stop seeing the church as a place we attend and start seeing it as a family we belong to. A family is both a place of belonging and desired wholeness where everything is done from a desire of genuine love of the people around you. The difficult side of all of this is that more than likely, we have all been hurt by people in these situations. We've had pastors in the past who have spoke ill of us. We've had family members who have abused us. Or we had a friend that you thought would be by your side forever, but they're not. They're gone. It makes all of this place of genuine love and the heart of that that much harder. But imagine with me, if we were consistent in these, how different your life would look your church, your job, your community, your home. If you honored every person you came in contact with, if you forgave every person who's offended you or done anything negative against you, if you showed compassion in any opportunity the Lord puts in front of you. We say all of what's been said today out of nothing but the desire for restoration for everyone here, ourselves included. 
Restoration starts in the hearts of his people, then builds into this restoration of homes, your community or your church, then states, leading to the saving of a nation in desperate need of a savior, a savior who shows the greatest example of genuine love from coming to earth as a child and sacrificing himself for our salvation, for your salvation, for every person's salvation, the person that you're honoring, the person that you're forgiving, the person you're showing compassion to, Jesus will always be the greatest example of that. I want to pray us out real fast if everyone wants to just kind of close your eyes and prepare your hearts for what the Lord is saying and speaking through all of this. And we really believe that there are people in this room who have been unable to forgive or who have been unable to show the honor that's being asked of them, who have been unable to show compassion in the way that the Lord desires. We're all guilty of it. We all do it. I probably did it yesterday. Well, the Lord is asking you to open your hearts to what's happening, to let your heart be open to what the Lord is saying in that. I also believe that there's people here who have been on the other side of that, And we believe that genuine love is going to be outpoured on you. That the Lord will open your heart and will show you where the love is from. And that's from him and him only. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing here today. Lord, we thank you for the hearts of your children in this place. Lord, we thank you for your gracious love, your genuine love that was poured out so wholly and fully on every single one of us. Lord, we thank you for the way that you were the greatest example of honor, forgiveness, and compassion. We thank you for who you are and who you've shown yourself to be, the God of genuine love. We thank you, Lord, for what that's looked like in all of our lives every single day. And Lord, that we would open our eyes, Lord, to what you're doing in us. Jesus, that we would see the pieces of genuine love that are already there. We've just been blind to them. Lord, that our hearts would be open for that. And Jesus, we thank you for the heart for your children that you have, Lord. Lord, we thank you for who you are in that. Amen. So I don't know what comes to you guys' mind when you hear all of that, but what comes to my mind is, is man, we just heard uh, what it really means to be like Jesus. Like, I think most people in this room, especially if you walk with Jesus for a while, uh, then you know that it's right to honor people. You know it's right to forgive people, and you know it's right uh, to have compassion towards people. But how many of you guys know there's a big difference between knowing what to do and actually doing it? Amen? So so listen, if I could land uh, like a challenge in your lap today before you leave, if you could take everything that they said and kind of just bring it together, like, you know, to to maybe echo what Joy said there at the end. It's like, how many of you guys know if we actually not just thought about those things, had good feeling about those things, three things but if we actually walked in honoring every single person we meet and we actually forgave people that we need to forgive and we actually needed to or actually begin to walk in compassion like we should how many guys know it would change our lives it would change everybody's life that we actually interact with can i get a witness to that yes it would let me read this verse to you today because at the core of this it's not so much about what we believe as much as about what we do like we all believe we should do those things, right? But, but we got to remember James says actually that, it literally says that, um, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, 
This is James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. It says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Difference between knowing and doing, right? And then he says, Can faith save him? In other words, can faith really honor someone? Can say, uh, faith really forgive someone? Can faith really have compassion to someone? Or is there a, or is there a following action in it, right? And then it goes on to say this, as if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? If you don't give the honor, if you don't give the forgiveness, if you don't give the compassion, what does it really profit? And then it says this, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works. Faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, man, it's dead. There's no life in it. It says in verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And it says, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, I'll show you what I believe by walking right in honor, by walking in forgiveness, and by walking in compassion. And then it says in verse 19, it says, You believe that there is one God, and it says, And you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? That word dead actually means it's useless. Verse 21 says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Then this is the key verse I want you to see, verse 22. Do you see that faith was working together? Somebody say together. Faith was working together with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect. And by works, his faith was made perfect, or it was made complete, or it was made mature. Jesus wants to uh, grow us all up in the kingdom. He wants to mature every one of us up. And part of that maturation process is to go from knowing to actually going to doing. Amen? Amen. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you for speaking loud and clear to every person in this room. God, we've heard your truth today. God, we heard your truth. It's the word of God. It's how we should live, how we should function, how we should operate in life. And Lord, you know every single person in this room, God, uh, just personally. God, you know the depths of their heart. You know the depths of every relationship. And so, Lord, where they need to demonstrate and walk in honor, Lord, we ask that you would help them to do so. Father, if there's people that they need to forgive, maybe they need to receive your forgiveness. But Lord, if they need to forgive somebody, highlight who that person is in this moment. And, Lord, the areas that they need to show compassion, Lord, I'm just simply asking. uh, Lord, we're all so busy in life. Sometimes the reality is is we're running from point A to point B to get something done. And, Lord, we miss opportunities to be your hands and your feet. And so, Lord, would you just open up our eyes? Would you help us slow down so we can see the moments where you're wanting us to be like you to someone else? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.